Have you ever been told or have you ever heard somebody else being told, you need to change your attitude? We recognize that sometimes bad attitudes can really affect the way we live. For example, if, if, an, if an athlete had a bad attitude, I'm sure his performance on the court or on the field wouldn't be very good. And no doubt the coach would bench him or maybe take him off the team. A student who has a bad attitude, who isn't doing their homework and is maybe misbehaving, gets into a lot of trouble. And his parents and the teachers will get on him and say, you need to change your attitude. Likewise, if there was an employee at work who had a bad attitude, maybe in his relationship with others or with the boss, with the company, or maybe just didn't like the project he was on, it would definitely affect his performance and there would be a lot of negative results because of it. So he might be told too, you need to change your attitude. And that's because we recognize that, you know, attitude is everything. It affects our feelings, it affects our behavior, it affects our relationships. Well, what about a spiritual attitude? What is that like? And if there's trouble with that attitude, how does it show? Will it affect our relationship with God, with others, with how we live our life? The Bible tells us that we should have the attitude that's just like Jesus Christ. So as we continue our series of messages entitled, It's Time to Get in Shape, and using that word shape as an acronym to stand for the different things that we should do and the purposes for them, let's take a look at attitude. We've already studied the first two aspects of getting in shape, studying the scriptures so that we'll have a healthy heart. But today, let's talk about adopting a new attitude so that we can practice Christ-like love. <coughs> Our passage for study today is uh, Colossians chapter 3, where the Apostle Paul writes this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. What always jumps out to me in this verse are those very first words. Therefore, it's God's chosen people. What he's telling me is, God has picked me and brought me into his family. He's adopted me. Now, when we hear the word adoption, we think of families maybe adopting the children or maybe families adopting a pet, you know, a dog or a cat. And, and, you know, we're urged to consider adopting animals because, you know, if they're not adopted and there's too many of them, then they have to be put to sleep, which means not being adopted results in death. And that's true for us too. Not being adopted into God's family would result in death. But looking at the flip side of that, being adopted makes a big difference in our life. It changes us. 
And so as Paul was going on to talk about how we need to, to adopt a new attitude, he starts, first of all, by telling us how we have been adopted. Now, you've probably heard the phrase before, uh, you know, out with the old and in with the new. Well, let's tweak that a little bit as Paul is talking about us. He's telling us off with the old and on with the new. And that's because there's been a change made in our life. A change in our status with God. We have been adopted. That's why Paul said, you are God's chosen people. You're part of his family. Now when we hear that, chosen, God chose me? Wow, he must have really seen something good in me. Well, let me tell you about the good that's in me. We like to boast, don't we, about ourselves. We, we like to promote all the positive things about ourselves. So what is it that God saw in us that caused him to pick us? Well, that word, therefore, you know what I always teach you about it. You should ask yourself, what is it there for? It's always pointing us back to what he just said. And here's what he just said in the previous verse. He said, here, that is in God's family, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free. But Christ is all and is in all. What he's saying is God didn't choose you because he saw what your background was. He saw what culture you were or what country you're from. He didn't see circumcised or uncircumcised. He didn't see, here are people who follow all my laws or these who don't. No, what he was talking about is that he saw Christ in us. Paul, in the verses right before this, tells us what God would see just by our earthly or natural nature. He said this, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, because of these, God's wrath is coming. And you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. So it's not that God saw something good in us and in how we lived or in our character. No, he saw Christ in us. Because Christ is holy. Christ wasn't impure or greedy or immoral. Christ was sinless. In, in his thoughts, in his desires, in his words, in his actions, he was absolutely perfect. And that's what God expects of us. That's, that's what we need to be in order to get into heaven. But we aren't. But Jesus was for us. And by our faith in him, God credits all of that to us. So now God will say, you are holy people. That's how he sees us, like he sees Jesus. And therefore, we're dearly loved. We're not hated. We're loved. We're not cursed by God, we're blessed. We're not going to be punished, we're going to be given eternal life because Jesus suffered the punishment for our sins. We now have God's favor, God's love, his grace. And that is why we have a new life, a new status. 
We have been adopted by God. Several years ago, I remember reading a story about a family that uh, adopted a, a little boy. They took him in, first of all, as a foster child. And the, the boy was very troubled. He had a lot of behavioral problems, very rebellious, very foul with his language, mistreated the other kids in the family. He was really a problem and was very trying to those parents. Well, they sought counseling for him, and through that counseling, they found out that with his previous families, he had been abused over and over. And as he acted out then, the families would just get rid of him and pass him on to somebody else. So he always felt rejected and not loved. And he was afraid that that would happen here too. So he would fight and he would rebel because he felt he would not be loved. But when he was reassured that this family loved him, and wanted to keep him, and then, in fact, adopted him, there was a, a total change in that boy's behavior. And that's what Paul is telling us, too. There's been a change in our status. We've been adopted. So now there will be a change in our attitude. It will be adjusted to fit in with this new family. And that's what Paul is saying. Off with the old now, and on with the new. Here's how we put it in the verse prior to our text. He says, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. We've been renewed. We've been given a new spirit. Now, maybe you've had this happen to uh, your car, where the battery dies, and it needs to be jumped, right? It needs a new charge. I just had that happen with two of my vehicles last month. But the batteries were so old that they wouldn't hold a charge anymore. And so I had to replace the battery totally and put new batteries in them. Now, we know that those batteries in the cars also need to be recharged all the time, too. And that's, that's the function of another part of the engine, is to keep recharging that battery so it has power to start your car the next time. Well, that's what it's like in our spirit, too. We need a new heart, a new spirit. God has to replace that old one. And he has to keep it charged up as well, because the life that we live in, in this world with its, with its challenges, with its trials, with our sin, it wears that life down. And so it always needs to be re-energized. And that's what Paul is talking about. We need to adjust our attitude. We need to be recharged or renewed. And that happens through his working. It happens through the connection we have with Christ that the Spirit brings in our life through the Word, and through the sacrament. So Paul is urging us now to get in shape, to adopt a new attitude because we have been adopted. Do you ever feel run down? You know, maybe physically you do sometimes, right? You've had a long week or a long day and you're just tired. You just can't do anything anymore. Or maybe you've been sick. And I have a cold or the flu or whatever, and you just don't have that energy anymore. Or, or maybe you have felt run down mentally, you know. 
you know, kids have been finishing up with exams, so, oh, your brain is drained, right? No more! Or, or maybe you're on a big project at work, or you've been working through some challenges, and, and you just can't think anymore. Mentally, you're run down. Sometimes emotionally, we get run down, too, uh, because of troubles we have in our life and challenges, maybe some, some fighting or some stress or some tension, and just emotionally, we're worn out as well. But what about spiritually? You ever been run down spiritually? What is that like? Do you notice it? Maybe the joy isn't there in your life. Maybe there's some worry and you're just not trusting that things are going to turn out well. Maybe you see it in your behavior. Maybe, maybe your Christian behavior isn't so good anymore. Maybe you're running down spiritually. Like those batteries in our car, they need to be recharged. We need to be renewed so that there can be that adjustment made in our attitude and how we live and how we express our faith. We need to be connected then to Christ. A few months ago, uh, one of our older cars, it just had it. It's, the transmission had troubles. We fixed it a couple times. It kept coming back and all sorts of problems with the car. And we decided, you know, we can't even sell this thing because no one would buy it. But the state has this buyback program to get all the junky cars off the street. So we applied for it and they approved us. And so we took it downtown to drop it off and get our $1,000 for it. And as I looked out over where we dropped it off, there was just acres of piles of cars like this. All these junkers that were just no good anymore. And so they're getting them off the street. They're worthless. Might that happen to us spiritually? Paul said because of our impurity, our immorality, our greed, he said the wrath of God is coming. Might we simply end up Worthless and in a pile to be destroyed? How do you feel spiritually? Run down? Worried? Don't care anymore? When that happens, sometimes people look for ways to fix it. They may look for some pleasures in the world, right? Well, I'll just get into some entertainment or some hobbies or whatever. Or, or I'll just buy a lot of things that make me feel better. That doesn't fix it. People might turn to things like alcohol or drugs because, well, that'll at least numb the feeling or, or maybe make me feel happy for a while, but that doesn't fix it. The only thing that really renews us, that really gives us that new life, is Christ. And that's why Paul wrote, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Like that little boy who was adopted and his whole attitude changed, we understood he was loved. So we can adopt a new attitude because we are loved. And we can do what Paul now urges, practice love. Listen again how he explains it. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I like that phrase, clothe yourselves. Paul is talking about a line of Christian clothing. You know, we, we, we talk about different styles of clothing, different lines of clothing, right? There'll be Dockers and Levi's and clothes and Walmart and, and uh, Costco clothing. Now you know where I shop. So we sometimes identify the style of clothing with different labels, right? Well, there's a label that goes for all these things that Paul is talking about too, and that is Christ. He calls it Christ love. Now he's not talking about an emotion. You know, you can't command emotions. Be happy. Be joyful. The love that he's talking about is that scriptural, biblical love that's described with the word that talked about Christ's love. It's a, a self-sacrifice that focuses on others. It's talking about attitude and action, not feeling. I like this definition of, of that Christian love. That the love that's being talked about here is a self-sacrificing, caring commitment which shows itself in seeking the highest good of the one who's loved. Self-sacrificing and committed to caring for the good of someone else. And Paul said, that's the, that's the characteristic that should wrap all these other things together. That's the title for this line of clothing. Now let's take a look at the specific pieces of clothing that he urges us to wear. He starts out with compassion. In, in the original uh, Greek of this word, the word is really to have a heart of compassion. He was talking about a, a very deep inner love that we have for someone. And that word compassion means the care, the concern that we have for those who are in need, for those who are suffering. It means to understand and to feel what they are going through, just as Christ did. The scriptures tell us when, when Jesus looked out and he saw the, the people in Israel, that they were confused and they were helpless and, and then they were harassed by their leaders, his heart went out to them and said he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And then when he saw how they were hurting, when they, when they were hungry, and when they were sick, he said he had compassion on them. He understood their suffering. And then he did something about it. He showed them kindness. Kindness is love and action. It's not just being concerned and feeling what others are going through, but it's doing something about it. So when Christ saw those people who were helpless and harassed, he taught them and he guided them to the truth. When, when he saw that people were hungry or sick, he fed them and he healed them. He put his love in action. And the reason he did is because he was wearing humility. Humility is putting others 
before yourself. And that's a challenge for us, right? Because as sinful human beings, we like to be front and center. We like to have the attention focused on us, on what my needs are, what I want. But humility puts others and their needs first. And that's exactly what Christ did. Christ left that throne of glory to be worshipped as God to come down in this world and to live in our circumstances so that he could have compassion and show kindness. He put our needs first. His response was one of gentleness. Now, gentleness does not mean weakness or you're kind of pushed around by others. No, gentleness is referring to having strength under control. And Jesus demonstrated that perfectly. When one day a woman was brought to him who was caught in adultery, and the Jewish leaders were saying, Condemn her! Throw a stone at her! I mean, he's the holy God, right? He took his strength, which was grace, and showed her forgiveness, telling her she was forgiven, not condemned, but now to go and sin no more. That was strength under control. That was gentleness. In order to do that, sometimes we have to be patient, though. Which, in the original language, the word is long-suffering. It means putting up with something for a long time, persevering through something. And that also means sometimes having to bear with others, put up with others. You know, it's so easy for us to, to, to pick away at people, to find faults with people to complain about it because they're not like us. They're not doing it our way. But Paul urges us to bear with one another in patience and then to show forgiveness, just as God has shown forgiveness to us. The word in the Greek that he uses there meant to show grace. Unconditional, unearned, freely and fully given love and forgiveness. Another word used in the Bible for forgiveness means to throw it away. That's what God wants us to do with the wrongs people do against us or others. Throw it away. Don't keep a record of wrong. Don't keep going back to it and harping on it. Throw it away, just as God has done with our sins in Christ. He's thrown them away. There's no record of wrong. Well, that's the line of clothing that God wants us to wear. He wants us to adopt a new attitude because we have been adopted and now to practice love. Sometimes people will say, you know, you have to dress right in order to impress, dress to impress, or dress for success. And we'll sometimes just dress because of the way we feel. Or we'll dress because of what it is we have to do. For example, believe it or not, I don't wear this when I'm working in the backyard, right? I wear my grubbies instead. But I don't come in my grubbies to honor God in my worship either. We'll dress certain ways when we go to school or when we go to work or if we're going out on a date or going to a special occasion. We'll dress for the occasion or for the people. 
Yesterday I was doing uh, visitations in prison, and uh, when I gathered the guys together for my uh, closing devotion, I chose to do it on this message, and it lasted about five minutes. I know you would have liked that one better than this one, but tough. <laughs> and I said to them, I know when you get up, you don't have to make a decision about what you're gonna wear. You don't have a choice. It's a denim blue shirt and blue jeans. That's the prison outfit, and it has those beautiful letters printed CDCR on them. California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. You don't have a choice. In regard to that clothing, I told them. But you do have a choice in regard to the Christ-line clothing that you will wear. The compassion, the humility, the patience, and the forgiveness that you can show others. In what situation do you find yourself in? And what do you need to wear? Who are the people around you and what's going on? What clothes do you need to wear from this Christ line? And the purpose is this, to serve others. Not to impress, not to boast, not for success, but to serve. And that's what this is all about, getting in shape, studying the scriptures for a healthy heart so we can adopt a new attitude and practice Christ-like love with this very one purpose, to serve. Because when we clothe ourselves with Christ, we're sharing Christ. Amen.